We're in conversation with Lira this morning, and that's a feel good. I'll be taking your calls on 011-714-2006 for those of you that want to be part of the conversation. Lira, a very good morning to you, and thank you so much for making time for us today. Thank you. Good morning to you. Look, if, if, if my maths is, is not wrong, and you, of course, would have the right answer to this, right? If my maths is not wrong, it's been about 15 years since um, you released Feel Good. Can you believe it? I know, I absolutely <laughs> <true>. can't. <laughs> I'm like, wow, I've been doing this for a while. It is exactly 15 years. It's 15 years in November on the 6th. I mean, it blows my mind. That is incredible. And and yet, you know, the song still feels so timely. It still feels so relevant. But I, I would imagine that from the perspective of an artist, there's there's a lot that must have taken place in the last 15 years of, of your career. Mm. Absolutely. And I think, especially when I think of this song, mm-hmm. um, it's been licensed for adverts. It's been used by all the... TV channels. Um, it's been used in a in a soundtrack in in the states, and it's been used in a sitcom in Canada. It's gone gold in Italy. It's been released in Turkey, in Germany, in um, Thailand. You know, this this song has really traveled the world. Sometimes um, I had one of the DJs send me a voice note because they were hearing the song in Dubai as well. Mm. And, you know, so when I think about it, I'm like, it's, it's, it's undoubtedly the biggest track of my career. So, so the song has had a life of its own, just like your career has. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm. And it's, it's been really fulfilling. You know, I think when I, when I first um, left my regular job to do this, it was just like sort of a pipe dream. But, you know, when you're young and crazy, you go for it anyway. Mm. And uh, when I think back just to everything that I've been able to accomplish and experience, um, yeah, it, it really blows my mind. Yeah. I mean, everything from, um, I don't know, just being on the uh, on, on the Oprah sitcom, you know, my music was used as an end credit to her movie there. And obviously performing for Barack Obama, even Nelson Mandela. And I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. Absolutely incredible, Lira. And, and you know, I, I want you to reflect a little bit on you cause, uh, on this for me because, you know, this is just uh, a profile interview on you, your career, and, and your life. When you look at mm. the evolution over the past 15 years as a musician, how would you describe the woman that's singing Feel Good versus the woman that, that you are today? How would you say you, sure. you have evolved during this period? Oh, very much. I think I've, I've just grown into my own. I've grown as a vocalist, as a performer, mm. and as a businesswoman, you know, um, just taking fuller control of the career and just growing it as far as possible. I mean, I had just come out of, um, of a tough phase when I was writing Feel Good. I had all these dreams and wishes mm. really wrapped up in this in this album, and as soon as the album came out, I just felt affirmed and there were more opportunities to affirm myself as a performer, as a songwriter, as an artist, and as a name in South Africa. And Feel Good really changed the trajectory of, of my career to such a large degree. And it really opened doors for me as well. Um, so I have much to thank for her because um, I feel like I, I, I took risks that I had no guarantee how they would turn out. And I'm just mm-hmm. so grateful as I sit here on this side of the journey 
I'm so grateful that I, I had the guts and the courage to actually just go through it. It's scary, you know, when you try because you, you don't know. You don't know how the journey will, will unfold. You have no idea. Mm. But I think that the biggest lesson is you need to try. You need to just do things. And it's okay to fail. And I've had lots of failures. And I'm actually now not afraid to fail at all because I just it's part of the process, you know. Um, and I find I've, I've obviously grown a lot bolder as well. And in some ways, comfortable, <laughs> which is really not a good idea. Mm, like, mm. Um, I appreciate that because, I, you know, I think when you're young, there's so much anxiety. Wow. And and uh, there's a lot of calm now, you know, about, about work, about existence, about career. It's, it's just a lot better on the mind and soul. Mm. And, and, I, and I would imagine that part of what that helps you to do as an individual is to stay true to yourself and stay true to your music, stay true to whatever business interest that, that you have because you don't have that, that incredible need for, for affirmation as perhaps you may have when, when you were younger. Oh, 100%, you know. And I think the problem, and I still remember right at the beginning of my career, I just had so many people suggesting all kinds of things. And I felt so split in a hundred different directions. Mm. And what another thing I noticed is when those people were not there, I did not know what to do. And that was a big problem because you don't trust yourself, you know? And so now there's definitely a lot more self-trust. And that's why I say it's like, even if it fails, it's okay to just mm. give yourself the benefit of the doubt. You know, failure is just a setback. It's not a, it's not a full stop, honestly. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm very grateful for the journey. And it's been long, you know, it's like a good 18 years of doing this, but um, still learning new things, still feel like I'm growing still. And, and it's, yeah, it's wonderful, honestly. Mm. Wonderful. I, I, I want to, I want to take a, a look back at the beginning of your career because, you know, sitting where you are now, you are incredibly successful. You were just telling us about the success of Feel Good. And it's just one of many uh, songs that you've had that have been as successful as they are. You do international mm. tours. You sing to uh, global crowds. And that's part of the success that you've been able to build in your career. But you talk about that step, that first step of switching from what is effectively a nine to five to believing and trusting in this dream. Now, um, you know, I, many of us, I imagine, hold the mic every once in a while in front of our mirrors and we think, you know, I could be Lira, maybe, I think. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, if you watch, if you watch Idols, you know that what you think versus what in reality, reality. is the case. <laughs> you know, the, the, the two sometimes might not align. And but but your your story and your journey is is really an example of 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 a case where somebody is truly talented and they do take that step and and it pays off for them. Tell us more about it. Um, look, you go through incredible doubt and fear in this journey. Um, you are constantly looking for validation. You're just not sure how it's going to go. Um, but one thing I will say is that when you're young and say you don't have debt, you don't have children, you don't have a husband, it's, it's a lot easier to, you know, to make the leap. Um, so when this decision hit me, I was, I was very young and, I, you know, I, I, I really hadn't committed to anything serious in my life except for a career. 
and it was sort of easier for me to just um, stop everything and just think, okay, let me, how can I, you know, pursue this career? However, I had a plan. I had like a financial plan to support myself for a year while I figured out, you know, how to enter the music industry. So I, I made some provision for that because I think it's responsible to, you know, to see how you can still make a living one way or another. So sometimes I often say to people, you know, do, do your passion on the side um, and then do you know, something else that's going to put food on your table. And I think everyone that's hugely successful, generally they're doing multiple things anyway. So there's no shame in doing multiple things, you know. This is, this is how life is. Um, but that's what I would recommend to anyone who's, who's interested in just sort of rather following their the, the heart um, is, is to just plan it properly and make sure that there's something putting food on the table and then throw yourself, throw yourself into your, into your passion until, you know, you can have it support you. And it took a long time. It took long, a lot of years. But another thing is I find that nothing has grown me as a person more than pursuing this career just because it forced me to face sort of my inner demons about success, about music, uh, fear, I don't know, all kinds of things that I was, I had preconceived ideas about. I had to really go through in my head and heart. And I find the mindset change made all the difference in my life, honestly. Mm. As soon as I bobbed down and I, and I checked myself, you know, like you really, really check yourself, you check what your fears are, where you are sabotaging yourself, uh, where your beliefs are, are, are stopping you, your, your own stumbling block. Because it's so easy for us to blame. But this journey forced me to kind of look at all that stuff. And as soon as I did that, I saw such a, a change in my entire career. Mm. I got luckier. I got to meet the right people. I got more creative. I got more expressive. I had more courage. And really, I was able to achieve tangible results. And I never stopped. You know, I never stopped sort of doing that inner work. Um, and, and it kind of shows in the outside. Mm. It, it requires a lot of work to be able to be self-reflective, to also be self-critical. Um, because if, if you're identifying areas where you're sabotaging yourself, it means that there's a level of critique about yourself that you must be willing to accept. And yet we know that when, when people are often successful and when they're stars like you are, there are not many people around them that are willing to tell them the truth or that are willing them willing to tell them things that are not always easy to hear. Mm, mm. That's very true, you know, and that's, that's often a problem is we, we, we don't actually do that. It's very few friends in your life or even family members that will do that. And sometimes you look at it as jealousy, but it's, I think the ultimate is, is when you, you hear what people say and see if it's true, if it resonates with you. You know, um, and then I think, but the, the most, the most uh, truth you have to check with is is in your own heart. You know, and and you're right in that it takes it takes a lot of work. But once you do the work, man, you'll be so proud of yourself. You'll have so much self-respect, so much love, so much trust of yourself that I I think you can't actually do this career without going through any of that kind of work. We're in conversation with Lira on the Talking Point today. She's our, fr our Friday profile interview. I'll take your WhatsApp messages on 0614-104-107 and on Twitter, it's at SFM Radio, the hashtag there, SFM Talking Point. So, Lira, let's talk about the moment when you get a call um, from the manufacturers of Barbie. 
who um, want to create a black Barbie and they, they, they have you in mind. Oh, man, I tell you, when I first got the call, <laughs> I thought somebody was joking with me. <laughs> and the reason for that is because, you know, I'm, I'm known for my short hair. So when you think a doll, you think long flowing hair. So I just couldn't see the two together. I just, I, I thought somebody was playing with me. And so they explained that they have this, um, this, this campaign running and Bobby is almost going, is, is, is celebrating the 60 year anniversary and they're looking to celebrate me as a female um, role model. And uh, they want to make this once off Bobby. And I mean, I just remember listening to this and thinking, is this for real? But in many ways, it's so affirming because I remember my short hair was an issue in the beginning of a career. It'd be like, oh, why don't you put a wee? Why don't you do something with your hair? And my whole mission at the time was just self-acceptance. I just had this thing that, can I just be allowed to be as I was born? It was very important to me to go through this process of self-acceptance. And I know there's a lot of jobs that I lost out on because they wanted me to change my hair to something different. So... It was a statement just for myself as well. I, at the time, I had no idea that it would, you know, make an influence out there. I had no idea. And so it was very affirming for Bobby to say, oh, no, no, no. We'll make a plan with your short hair, but if you give us this honor, we will be the star um, in, in, your, in your honor as well. Mm. And lo and behold, I went to L.A. to the Bobby headquarters and I met all the designers. I mean, there was somebody designing every aspect. So many people worked on it, like 20 people. I met the lady that made the clothing and the earrings, and I met the lady that created the face. I met the department and the guys that worked on the hair, and then they also chose a, 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 a template for the body. I mean, you know, it's just a detail. I just remember just feeling so so happy and just so proud. And But it is a once-off, like I say to people. People expect to see it, and it's a one-off. It's like an award, really, just to commemorate and... Mm. Um, celebrate me as one of the 50 women that have been celebrated in this way. So there'll be many more, I'm sure, especially in the country. What you're talking about, Lira, is such an important issue. And we've seen more and more black women begin to come out and, 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 and speak about it, the ways in which they feel they have lost out an opportunity, they have been marginalized because of the way that they choose to wear their hair. In your mm. industry, I imagine it's a lot more pronounced um, than than it would be uh, for anybody else. Yeah, very much. Um, and then you have to be okay with it. You know, I think a, at least in my in my career, this is what I realized is that um, there'll be other opportunities that are more favorable for what you do um, as an artist. However, in a corporate environment, for instance, I just I think things like that have to be absolutely fought for and changed. But it is true. It's just like there's a, there's a perception sometimes about short short hair, for instance, or natural hair that you're stubborn, you're too headstrong. Uh, sometimes that you don't even take care of yourself. So there's all kinds of perceptions. However, a lot of it has changed at the same time. You know that there's been a big movement. Um, and then now, now natural hair is being uh, celebrated in different spaces, and there's a lot more women wearing the, the, the natural hair. And it's not so much that I'm an advocate for any particular hair. I know for a fact that natural hair is, is a lot to maintain. 
But all I was saying is that if you've got a young girl who already thinks something is wrong with how she looks naturally, we're sending the wrong message to young girls. Mm. So if if a young girl is out there and she just prefers to be natural with her hair, she can slay all day, but it's, it's good for her to feel that it's okay. She's enough. She's beautiful enough. For me, that's all it says. So what you wear in your hair, I really don't mind. I don't care. However, we need to start wearing our hair with pride so that any other young girl doesn't feel like she's bumping up against the wall, that something is wrong with how she was born. Mm. That's really where I'm coming from. And because I was made to feel like that, you know, that something isn't right. And it's, it's, it's completely incorrect. And now you go years later for, you know, having been told that something is wrong with you. Years later, you get a doll, an international company that makes a doll in your own and that everybody says, oh, yeah, okay, cool. So you were right. And that's not, it doesn't need to happen that yeah, way. Yeah. Everyone needs to feel beautiful and empowered and that they matter exactly as they are. All right. We'll continue the conversation with Lira. It's just after 11.30. Leander, good morning. So, Lira, as as the song is playing, I, I had a question from from the from the production crew, right? And they were asking. They're like, they wonder how artists feel when they hear their music being played on the radio. How do you feel when you hear your music oh, on? Does it? Do you get used to uh, it, or you're just like, oh no, why did they pick this one? They should have asked me for a list. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, there's two scenarios. There's two scenarios that when I hear it on radio, I crank that thing up. Let's say I'm driving and I just crank it up. You never get used to it. I still get excited. I still record it and take a video, you know, and post it <laughs> to the family. I still get excited. I personally enjoy my own music. I even play it when I'm on a road trip. I, I really enjoy it. Um, but sometimes when I'm doing interviews and we're talking about the kind, and then you hear a song with Kate that you recorded 15 years ago, sometimes it's like, oh, my God, he's still playing that. But I guess that's what classic music is, isn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not surprised by that. You're probably just like, guys, do you know that I have had how many albums since that like, song? Like, <laughs> not <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that's that, that's completely that's completely understandable. I want to talk to you about the position um, as a black female artist, right? And you you spoke a lot about you know the the, the need to role model, and I know that often it's not a choice; it's almost thrust upon. Um, musicians like yourself that become public figures and people have all of these different expectations of them of who they should be and so you just decide mm. um, you know what is the messaging of, of Lira what is going to be basically what Lira stands for is is it difficult to to create that and to live within those those parameters um, when again as a public figure it's very easy for everything about you to become a free-for-all. Mm, very good point. Um, however, what I will say is from the beginning, I was conscious about role modeling. Uh, and sometimes I would feel it and think, sit there and think, I put this upon myself. It's like a, nobody asked me <laughs> to do this and I just put this weight on myself. However, it was because I, I have younger sisters and I was always conscious of the messaging I'm sending to my younger sisters and and my cousins as well. So it's a kind of pressure that I put on myself. But it, it was good in a sense that it gave me um, 
a direction. It gave me a way of being, of carrying myself that I could really authentically carry because I cared about it enough that it felt personal, you know? Um, and I was also thinking about my own journey that there were a few role models that made all the difference in my journey. Sometimes I needed to see another young woman doing well in order for me to believe that I could do it. So I did recognize that it, it, had, it had a lot of value. There were a lot of women who were doing their own business, just really doing their own thing. But when I looked upon them, I thought to myself, oh, my goodness, it's possible. And it gave me that extra motivation to keep going. So I do realize that it's very, very important. And so I role model consciously. I, I think about that very, very consciously. And mm. I think I pride myself on it, even though I know that it is somewhat of a burden. But it's something that comes naturally at the same time, just because it's very personal. Mm. How do you deal with pressure, Lira? I don't. <laughs> no. <laughs> this is really you just kind of stay indoors and, you know, ch- keep checking you know, whether I, the clients have moved outside. <laughs> and when it looks sunny again, you're like, okay, sharp, ready to go back outside. <laughs> I mean, I, I try not to, because I, I, don't, I don't operate well with it, you know. I, I try not to allow myself to be pressurized um, by outside things especially. Um, so I'm... I need my peace. I'm just one of those people that function that way. I, I need like a bit of peace. I need, I need like a self-assurance actually just inside myself. When other people give me their energy, sometimes it's, it's very disruptive. So I actually put it out. If I'm under pressure, usually it's because I've put myself in that pressure. Usually. I really avoid it. Honestly, that's how I deal with it. And sometimes, of course, it does happen, but generally I, I, I avoid it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and how have you managed to to do that, especially in a climate where we've had COVID-19 and, and artists and, and the industry have taken a particularly hard knock, you know. Mm. Um, obviously, when just a simple browse through your Instagram profile, I'm not saying that I was on your Instagram page, but um, a simple, a casual browse through. <laughs> 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 a casual look at your page, you know, um, tells the story of, of you being one of the fortunate artists who've still been able to to do work and do stuff mm. uh, over the last 18 months. But I don't imagine that any of that has been easy. And it certainly is not at the scale that perhaps it would have been pre-COVID when you wouldn't just Absolutely. be in the country, you'd be elsewhere in the world. Absolutely. Um, so again, I think my attitude is to stay in my lane, you know, to not stress myself with things that really have nothing to do with me. So the first thing I did, I think when, when COVID came, I really did not stress. I found a, an environment or a space rather in my mind that said, none of what's happening is my fault or it's, it's not even personal. It's happening to everybody. And then I thought to myself, if I had, you know, there has never been a time where I just have a month off. This is not in the initial lockdown. And so I thought to myself, don't stress, there's nothing you can do. Take the time, use it to rest. If you had all the time in the world, what would I do? And so I looked at that instead. So I find what that happened, what that gave me was just like a, a sense of calm and a sense of peace that, um, you know, just, just be okay, accept things as they are. And before I knew it, I was actually getting opportunities. And something about that makes me feel like you almost get luckier if you don't stress somehow. This is what I think. 
So I started getting opportunities for online work. Um, and the first challenge with that was I'd never done an online show. I was in a foreign country. I was in Namibia. I was just there with my studio, my two phones. I could do work, but it was like a lot of learning, a lot of nerves. So our first online show was a disaster. Mark my words, disaster. <laughs> and, mm. and again, you know, it's like a bit of failure. You can be hard on yourself. But I think for mm. everyone, it was like just weird and trying to find our feet. But I was like, it's fine. Let's just learn some more. Mm. And then that's another thing. I'm always willing to learn. I, I'm, it's okay for me to make mistakes. I think I'm okay with that generally. So as the show went on, the work became better. And exactly, we were still doing it on, on cell phones, full HD. But because I traveled with my little portable studio, the sound was lovely. Mm. And indeed, I just was able to adapt. And I was working on my own. I wasn't able to work with my band. But it was exciting for me, actually, to still be active, to still be able to do something in, to connect with people. Um, it's very lonely at the same time performing for just the camera. Like there's no human behind. And, and there's no so energy. Country. There's no energy from there's the no crowd. Energy you at don't all. know. Are people enjoying no. this? Are they not? No. <laughs> yeah. So that I mean, it's, it was horrible in many ways. But mm. at the same time, I was excited about doing something new, about still reaching out to people. So there was still like this, this uh, community kind of building, although not remotely to the same scale. But I think it kept me sane, it kept me creative, you know, it kept me mm. going. And of course, I was making a living. And so I was just happy with it. And that's another thing. My, my attitude towards it has always been that it's not personal. It's not a personal reflection. It's just a very unfortunate space that we're in and all of us are trying to make it work. So, you know, to not take any, any of it personal, to just do what, what I can, um, to not judge any of it. And so... I grew so much as a result. I really, I, I enjoyed it eventually because I was able to do more. I was able to stretch my offering more. Um, you know, I was able to add different backgrounds. It just make it interesting, not only for the audience, but even for me so that I, you know, I can feel like, okay, I'm doing something where people can relate. Where you're like, it's so not so bad, guys. Is it? No, it's not so bad. We've got a different it's background not, today. Not, you're, you're, <laughs> it's like, okay, now we're going to do a white background because this gig is very light and all. But eventually, mm. actually, interesting you should say that, eventually I moved my recordings outside. So I was recording in the Namib Desert. So I released three videos on my YouTube channel, Miss Lira TV, where you can see me singing live in the in the desert, you know. Um, and I literally started from all the online work that I was doing. And so it was nice to just keep expanding it. And I'm very proud of, of the projects that came out of that because, yeah, the music videos are beautiful and it's just, just that stunning natural space. So it was, was awesome. Yeah. And, and, and since very then, good. since then, I understand that you've been brought on as an ambassador for Namibia. I was. I'm actually going there next week. I'm so excited. <laughs> so, I mean, like I said, I, I left two days before our lockdown here in South Africa. And I just, I mean, I did the craziest thing. I packed some food because I didn't want to stop anywhere. I packed sanitizers, the works. I packed my studio and I just drove to Namibia. I was like, okay, 30 days of lockdown. I want to be out in nature. That's what I'm going to do. So I crossed the border, 18 hours drive. And then they were in lockdown. So I was like, oh, it doesn't help me much. But it was nice being in a different environment. And then I realized that our industry is not going to come back on for a while. So I ended up spending seven months in Namibia. So what I would do is I would be in the desert, but I would be traveling all over the place. And then I'd come back to Vintook for work and just uh, do the online shows and then go off again. 
So I honestly had no stress. I was so happy. I was I was doing all kinds of crazy things, sleeping outside under the stars, sleeping in the desert. I mean, it, it's just, I, it, that felt like living. I had no concerns. I had no worries. I had nothing. So it was, it was very peaceful, very, very adventurous. It was amazing. And so um, I came back in, in October, and the thing that brought me back again was work because mm. we were starting to have um, live work again. But I had, a, I had a great time. You know, I, I hear, I know it was a very difficult time, but I, I personally had a great 2020. Oh, wow. That, that, that in the that's wild. incredible. And, and were you by yourself during this, this whole time? Absolutely. Um, I learned, obviously, I, I got divorced. So in my mind, I was like, so get used to being alone and be comfortable with it, you know? <laughs> just be comfortable. Whatever happens, just know that if you meet someone or whatnot, mm-hmm. at least I'm I'm comfortable and I feel whole. So I made a lot of friends, I must admit. I made a lot of wow. friends. A lot of people were a lot of people invited me to their homes. I was staying in a lot of um B- Airbnbs initially and then I would stay at lodges. I mean lodges were ridiculous. Places that would say normally charge Three hundred, which I mean, three thousand would charge three hundred just because of lockdown. Mm. So I had the best of all worlds, you know. And again, I was and, a perfect ambassador. And I'm sure it helps that you're Lira as well, you know. Oh, it was going. It was everything was just working out. I was like, I couldn't <laughs> have been in a better place. <laughs> I was living, you know. And I was feeling like, you know, now people were busy paying bonds and cars, and I was just living so frugally, so nice. I was so happy, honestly. Um, but then they made me ambassador just because I really, I know Namibia well now. You know, I love it, and I feel uh. we're all so close to it, and it's like a whole other world that. Um, it's just special. I feel like if you miss yourself, if you could like a you miss yourself. You, you must need to go, go to there. Namibia. Can they offer you? Yeah, a nice peace of mind. It's beautiful. Oftentimes they talk about the key to the city. I think you've got the key to the country, Lira. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, let me take a couple of calls. Eddie, you're calling us from Odendals Russ. Eddie, good morning. Yes, how are you? I'm all right. How are you, Eddie? Yo, please, I hope um, you're recording this conversation so that my name, my voice also can be heard in future. <laughs> <laughs> Medira, okay, how are you? <laughs> I'm Medira, wonderful. How are you? I'm wonderful. No, I'm okay. I'm in Ondafres uh, near Velcom. And oh, I'm wow. sure one day we'll want to see you here coming to perform in our area because yeah. you are the beacon of hope. Why I was For young you know, people. I was in I was in I was in Welcome on the first of January in twenty twenty. Can you believe it? Yes, I think it was in Kingdom Ministries, a church called Kingdom Ministries. I saw that. That was a different one. No 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 no. I was in a in like a sort of a club, one of these clubs in the township. It was wonderful. It was packed. No, oh, no this time but around just... you'll be invited by me. Oh wow! So I just, okay. I just hope that I just hope after this I conversation, see. the producer will take will take will give you my number or either way. How can I get it? Because I have a foundation. Now we normally host oh, no, no, events. It's, easy. it's it's at mislira.com, my website. You can you can submit your booking there. No problem at all. Mislira.com. Okay, my last point. Are you a vegetarian? I'm mostly vegetarian, but I do eat meat. Oh, okay. Because I can see you I chip your body, veggies, you yes. chip your body very well, and it does. Oh, no, I, I wish I, I wish I could say it was more what I eat. I, my mother, my mother, 
I come from very slim parents, so it's good genes, honestly. Wow. Wow. <laughs> no, I was, I was trying to convert to convert vegetarian because I am one of them. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm sorry, sorry, you so so sorry it didn't work. Me, but I generally eat vegetables, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. All right, Thanks, Eddie. Eddie. All right. Thank Thank you, sir. Eddie out in Odendal's Rice. Okay, I've got uh, a couple of um, Twitter messages as well. Before we do that, let's take and listen to some of the WhatsApp voice notes that are coming through. Casey, you star. Yeah. I don't know where you go to Ira. She has blessed my day. Lila is a blessing. Please, thank you, Lila, for not holding on to what God gave to you. You bless us every day. Douglas from Acero. Hi, Kathy. Thank you for a beautiful show. Oh, man, I love Lira. I love her so much, you know. Um, I lost my fiance 10 years ago this year and for our first date he actually took me to Lyra's live performance when she was performing in Durban and so ah, she has such a special place in my heart. I love her so much. Thanks Kitty. Bye. Morning Kathy, this is Magdalene from Bloom. I preferred and liked the point of Lyra pointing at being proud of your natural being especially natural hair my little girl is 13 years old and she's doing pageantry and she's always on her dreadlocks which are natural and she wins with those dreadlocks the only pageantry which uh, sounded a bit skeptical about her natural hair which is their blocks is little miss south africa it seems as if they were a little bit skeptical about her natural hair being dreadlocks but all the patientries she wins she even won miss ace model 2021 last week in Frodo valley thank you lira for being proud of being yourself this is mcdellin from bloom thank you bye Hi, Kevin. Hi, Lira. Yo, I love that lady. <laughs> I love that lady. I love Lira. More especially when it comes to life consent, you know. You know, yo, 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 yo. Thank you. I love that song. You know, that song is very perfect. Everything is there. Yeah, okay. This is like my table. <laughs> Yeah, Zaki Matabula there. Yeah, Zaki sent a voice note. He's also got a message on Twitter. I love her music. I love her attitude. And I must say, Lira, um, I've been at a couple of your live performances and the crowds always want more. You know, people never get mm. enough of you. And do you think that that brings out a different element of you and people connect uh, in a different way? Oh, definitely. I mean, I think it still surprises me, but it's such a profoundly beautiful experience. Uh, and it happens every time, you know, every time we have a concert, there's, there's just this genuine energy flowing in between me and the audience. I was in my hometown, Davidson, two weekends ago, 
and people were so happy they were crying. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like, hey, <laughs> but it was nice, you know. Again, and um, I think sometimes people don't expect you. Sometimes you come to the township, or I don't know what it is, but it gets so emotional, so happy. There's disbelief in there. There mm. is. There's all kinds of emotions. I appreciate it. It's probably my most favorite, favorite, favorite thing to do. It's wonderful to record music and release and whatnot, but performing live is is just there's something sacred about it. And it's probably my favorite element of what I do. Let's wrap up with this. Uh, Kayin Kwanyana on social media. Please ask Lira about that song, uh, Something Inside is So Strong. I think it's timeless. Uh, she outdid the original singer. What prompted her to do that song? Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, it's one of the the biggest tracks I've ever recorded. So when I first recorded it, it was in honor of the late, great Nelson Mandela. Or his, I believe it was his 90th birthday, if I'm not mistaken. And myself and the Soito um, gospel singers uh, collaborated together just to do it in honor of him. And it was around the World Cup of 2010. So that's really where I was thinking of it. It just surprised me how much that song picked up and how loved it is that I almost actually can't do any performance without including that song. It's an absolute crowd uh, favorite, that's for sure. Lira, let me thank you so much for spending an hour of your Friday with us. It's been an absolute pleasure being in conversation with you. And we certainly wish you all of the very best for your music career. I have no doubt that the next 20 or 18 years that lie ahead are going to be better than the last 18. Oh, I appreciate it so much. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks thanks to everyone that sent voice notes as well. And for the calls, it's just so wonderful to hear from people. So I'm sending all my love to all of you. Thank you so much. All right. That, ladies and gentlemen, is Lira. And it's also where we wrap it up for the show this Friday afternoon. It's been The Talking Point. We're back with you again Monday morning. Monday morning, no songs. Back to. <laughs> okay, okay. Let me let you enjoy the moment. Sakina Kamwendo is coming up next with the update at noon. So